1: Well, this morning, I want to uh, share with you a word. I I was praying about this. I had this uh, word. It was part of my daily journal. I had to share it with my wife, and we just bounced this back and forth, and I felt this is the word the Lord wants me to share with you. Now, there's a few passages of Scripture, so you want to be quick. If you want to grab your Bible, and some of you, if you take notes, and I really encourage you to take notes, it'll help you to really digest the word and get it into your spirit. The Bible says that the word of God, I think Jane mentioned this, will never return void. But you have to speak it out. You have to meditate on it first in order for that word to bear fruit in your life. So I've got a few scripture verses all surrounding the same topic, and then I'll tie it all in together. While you're turning there, uh, I've been using my uh, phone recently and doing hands-free because you're not allowed to touch your phone. And I don't want to say it because the phone will come alive if I do this. And I asked it to tell me the news. So if you've got a Google device, you've got to be quiet, just say good morning. And the next thing, it'll say, good morning, Paul you know, And then it begins to tell you, this is the news for today. It tells you the weather and all, and then the top news. And among the one that keeps repeating I've been listening to is about the coronavirus. And I you know, I thought as well, I, I, it sounds just like that. What's the other virus that came out of China recently? Or the bird, Did we call it the bird flu? Yeah, yeah. It was the bird flu. Which one? Swine flu, thank you. It was a swine flu. And the same thing, it originated from animals. seems to constantly come out of China. And uh, the interesting thing is we're seeing a similar epidemic. We're trying to call it a pandemic. People are starting to get worried about it because it's not just the flu. You know, someone gets sick, has a cold, that's it. It's taking a whole nation out. And because China is unable, they're actually locking doors. And someone told me some horror stories that in Wuhan some of the so, some of the soldiers were sent out to barricade houses and people couldn't get out of their homes so when they ran out of food they couldn't get out to buy food from the grocery store and so they were trying to get outside their windows from from skyscrapers and killing themselves trying to get out like it's it's really desperate and the streets are deserted like a ghost town but it's impacting the nations of the world now That is affecting the GDP of major nations of the world. The gross domestic product of that own nation is being affected by this. In fact, companies such as Apple and Amazon, who, who trade in a lot of Chinese products, so Apple makes iPhones. If you're wondering, if, is it made in California or something? No, it's made in China. It's being affected by that, and so their their stocks are dropping. And around the world, in fact, they are saying that the stocks have been plummeting so much it is equalized. It's it's the same with uh, when uh, we had problems with the GFC, the global financial member crisis. That's how low it's getting. So it's getting quite serious in the world. But what we think is this illness and the sickness over there will never affect us. And the point I'm making is. We're part of one big planet. We're part of one big family, whether we like it or not. And when one part is affected, though we think it's so far away, it's out of our sight and mind, it's affecting us here. And so, as we talk about these things, I I started getting the, I started remembering the word of God that we were meditating on, where Moses is building the temple of God. We had the plans, and they're about to build it. And it was the first time that human beings were able to have a structure with God's presence. He promised them, I will be here in this place. And as a church, we want to build a structure, the house of God. I don't mean like this actual literal building. I mean us, you and me. Because if you're sick and if you're not doing well, it affects the house of God. If you are warm, uh, lukewarm in your faith with the Lord and you're not growing, it affects the house of God. And equally so, when you are on fire for God, when you are absolutely thirsty, when you, had, when you say to yourself, enough is enough, I will not remain lukewarm again. I will not just be okay in my walk with Jesus. I will not compare myself to another Christian anymore. All I know is what's in my heart, and I know within myself, if I were to be honest with the Lord, I haven't grown in the past 10 years. Some of you are like that. I haven't grown in the past year, for some. And you need to yourself make that decision, I have to go further in the Lord. So follow with me as we begin turning to some scripture. We're going to jump around a bit. There, are verses each. Okay, here we go. Exodus 25. And verses 8 to 9. If you've got a smart device, it's going to be easy for you. Either you've got the Bible on there loaded, or you go to Chrome or Safari, whatever you got. Type in Exodus 25, colon, 8 to 9. The Bible says, this is a word to Moses. God says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Never before in history, aside from the Garden of Eden, has God ever promised that his presence would be with a people? This is something entirely new, something very exciting, because the God of the universe, who is large than the earth, the Bible says the earth is his footstool. You know, nothing can contain his presence. What can you make for me that I don't already own? And we had all, all this dialogue God was having with Moses and with David later on. We'll read that in a moment. But he's saying, I, but I will come. If you build it, I will come. But, he says... Make this tabernacle, verse 9, and all its furnishings, not just the the building itself, but everything inside of it, exactly like the pattern I will show you. Very, very specific. I want you to turn with me now to Exodus 26, the next chapter, and verse 30. Exodus 26, verse 30. I'm building a case before I share the word. And God continues, and he says, and you shall raise up the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was the precursor to the temple, okay, the temple of God in Jerusalem. It was a traveling temple. They called it a tabernacle, and it was set up and packed down. And the Lord says to Moses in Exodus twenty six thirty, you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern, which you were shown on the mountain. Now, interestingly enough, my wife says to me, how did Moses remember all the intricate details when it wasn't just a day after? It could have been days, weeks, months after, but he, he, he memorized and everything to the tiniest detail. He knew what it was. Turn with me now to 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28, we're going to read verse 11 and 12, still in the Old Testament. If you're new to the faith, just use the table of contents. 1 Chronicles, and chapter 28, reading verses 11 and 12. So now, the tabernacle has finally moved into the promised land, and has been sitting, collecting dust for years. But King David had it in his heart. The moment he became king, I'm going to move the tabernacle to Jerusalem, and now this is the second step. I want to build a temple for my God. Then David... Gave his son Solomon the plans. God said to David, you've shed too much blood. You're not innocent. I can't have you building the temple. It has to be innocent hands. So your son Solomon will do it. David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. You notice all the detail. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind. Once again, God had put it in his mind, David's mind, to build the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries of the dedicated things. Everyone with me so far? Okay, turn your Bibles now to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, reading from verse 10 to 11. 1 Corinthians In chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, Paul the Apostle writes to the church at Corinth, By the grace God has given me. So where did it come from? God. I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he or she builds. For no one no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The last passage before we get into the Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. I did tell you, we've gone for all the way from the second book of the Bible and all the way to the last books of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 5. There's so much Scripture. This is the least I could do to just whittle it down. Enough, I felt that I, we've covered all the temples that are built. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter writes to the church, You also, like living stones, and that's not the first time that appears, living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the temple... And we are the priests of that temple. Because we're the temple, the presence of God resides in this temple. That's why God says, keep the temple pure. Because my presence is going to be in you. The same presence of the Holy Spirit, that same anointing that was upon Jesus is upon you. You don't have an inferior anointing from Jesus. And you don't have an inferior anointing from me. And children and youth and young adults, you don't have an inferior anointing from your parents. You have the same fullness of the anointing of God if you want it. And the key is understanding this is a living stone, a living temple, and God resides here. We were recently praying in our 7 p.m. prayer. I think this was uh, the second, no, it might have been the first night we were praying. uh, The last three weeks I've been going. And God's just been speaking to me, you know, again, Brother Ransom, thank you. Um, Opening up the Bible, God's showing me stuff. He gives me a scripture. I go look it up on my phone. And He gave me the scripture where God began saying, I am building a house of prayer among you. It is a house of prayer that will contend for the nations of the world. It is a house of prayer that will contend for the city and it is a house of prayer that will contend for this nation. It is not going to be a quiet house. It is going to be a mighty house among the among the churches in this nation. It is a church that will contend for the souls of your family. It is a church that will contend for the souls of the people in the city. It is a church that will not, a house of prayer, that will not remain quiet. It is a house that will dream dreams. It is a house that will see visions. It It is a house that will begin to rise up, arouse, awaken the sleeping giant. We've been quiet for too long. Because we've been trying to do church the way other churches do church. And God has a special anointing for them. But we cannot and we shall not and we will not forget that God has called you. When you said, I will be part of this house, Live City Church, you didn't know, some of you, because we haven't done growth track yet, why, some of you that are new, why we called it that name. It came from Ezekiel 37 when the Lord gave me a scripture. And I said, Lord, what is the name for this church? And I began to read Ezekiel 37, where God brings the prophet into a valley of dry bones. It is not literal dry bones. It was a metaphor, figurative, but it was so real to him in this vision. And God asked him this question Can these dry bones live? (laughs) Well, that wasn't what the prophet said. The prophet's looking around, he says, Maybe if the body was dead for three days, maybe four days, because Jesus did that to Lazarus, but not when it's so dead, dead that the bones, not even on a wet, they're dry bones. A valley full of dry bones. And God's, and, and, and he was really smart, very really political, politically correct, he says, well, Lord, you know. <laughs> the Lord says, speak to their dry bones, command them to live. And the Bible says when he commanded the dry bones to live, breath started coming into, the, into these bones, they started rattling. And then all of a sudden, flesh started appearing, blood started coursing, marrow started growing in the bones, flesh and tissue and and muscles and nerves began knitted in. And before very long, a vast and mighty army was raised up. That's the picture God gave us for this church. That's the reason we call it Live City. Live, live, live. You are speaking prophetically. When we call the name Live City, you're actually pro- prophesying over the city. Live City. You didn't know that. We did that on purpose. It's a prophetic word. And we have become like other churches when we stop praying when we're not contending anymore, and it becomes about the Sunday service, it becomes about this meeting, it becomes about the music, it becomes about the preaching, the church is more than that. You are the church. Your spiritual health matters to us. It matters to the heart of Jesus. When you sin against the Lord, it matters to the Lord. It matters to this house because it affects the effectiveness of this house. But when you begin to become serious about the presence of God, if he's really real in your life, if you begin to have a fear of God and the fear that if you stepped out of eternity, you may not be with him. You've been following him for years, but if you stopped in the last month, in fact, you stopped for a day serving him and begin to allow sin and, and, uh, and apathy to come into your life and the Lord requires your life that night, you won't be with him. The Bible is really clear on this, that every day you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that every day you take up your cross daily and follow him, that every day is a new recommitment to the Lord. Every day is a day of repentance. God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against man, and I want to make my heart right before you because I don't want to go and step out into eternity and not find that that I'm with you. The Bible says many will come in my name and say, Lord, Lord, when did we not? Lord, Lord, we cast demons out in your name. Lord, Lord, because he's asking, why should I let you in? And he'll say to them, get away. I don't even know you. We become so complacent. We become so apathetic about the things of God. Our flesh is so tied into the world. We lack faith because all we believe in is what we can see, taste, touch, smell, and hear how we interact with this living planet. But we've forgotten that the one atmosphere, the one level that is more real than the natural is the supernatural. We live for ourselves and to please ourselves, and we're wondering why God isn't answering our prayers. I hope this is all right. God gave Moses a specific pattern. You can't can't diverge from the pattern. You can't change it. God says, purple curtains, you can't decide, I like pink better. When God says, put horns on the altar, you can't say, well, horns are a little bit rough. Can I put pillows on the side? God says, I want you to sacrifice bulls. Priests, you put your hands on the bull. Get the people, who that's their sin offering. Get them put their hands on the bull. Or it might be a sheep, depending on what they can afford. Then they slaughter it and blood is splurting everywhere. And you say, well, I, I, I prefer not to have a sheep or a bull. Can I just have like, uh, you know, can I have it pre-killed for me, barbecued? And I just bring it over to you and just hand it to the Lord? But we do that all the time. We try and change the patterns. We're wondering why things aren't working. We've become dysfunctional, and we're, we don't even know that we've become dysfunctional. We don't even know that we've drifted away from the Lord, that a heart is becoming cold because the process is gradual. Today, I want to give you seven key points, seven key principles in understanding how to go back to the pattern that God has for your life. Remember, you're the house individually, you're the house as a family corporately, and we're the house together as one. If you're not here, you know, on a Sunday service, we miss you because we are one. You are the body of Christ. We need you. Here are seven principles because seven, is that right? Seven is a perfect number of God. Oh, man, I've already hit my time. <laughs> this how the music's playing. <laughs> I think I've preached enough. Stand to your feet. I'm going to close. Are you okay for me to go? right. <laughs> I'll give you two points, all right? Here we go. <laughs> Number one, God expects us to build his church from personal revelation. From a personal experience with Jesus Christ. Why do you think we put the slogan, experience Jesus? God appeared to Moses, Moses with with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. Twice. Twice. And he was so overwhelmed by that presence of God, his face shone. It was powerful. It was great. And God began showing him the patterns. God is not going to show you the deeper things that he has for you until you get serious about him. Until you are hungry enough to say, God, I need to see your face. God, I need to experience your presence. God, I need to hear your words once again because, Lord, this land is dry and thirsty and my soul has become dry and thirsty. I need to hear from you again. A person who has never experienced Jesus Christ will not be able to build a house of God. You've been trying so hard to put your life together and to follow after Jesus and you fail time and time and time again. You're trying to patch up your marriage. You're you're trying to be a great member of this church and you've started on a journey and then you failed again. Because you're trying to build without a personal revelation of who God is. You can never grow without an encounter. You can never grow without that experience with him. Statisticians say that they do a study. They took uh, a survey. I think, I'm think i sorry, I think it's Alpha course. They did a study over tens of thousands of people to ask them, when did you first become a Christian? These are adults. And they found out the vast majority, about 60 or 70%, gave their lives to Jesus when they were kids in Sunday school. If you're not bringing your kids to church... They're going to suffer. That legacy you had will not be passed on. You have to bring them. It begins there. I've actually instructed. We met with the kid's church. I want you to do a sinner's prayer like we do every week for these kids because I want them to encounter Jesus. And then later on, it's the, it's the teens and then the young adults, and a very small percentage are adults that come to Jesus. Did you know that? The vast majority are kids and then teens and then young adults, pray for young adult leaders. Pray for our youth leaders. Pray for our kids' ministry leaders. They're going to make mistakes. Don't judge them. Don't come so harshly or so offended. You come and talk to me. You go talk to them gently as old and more mature people. It's the house of God, our house. I get so hurt sometimes because, can I talk like this? I'm about to cry. Because the house of God is so beautiful. We have people come in, I think that they're the part of the house. And then they mock the house. They say, Your church, Live City Church, should do this. But you are Live City Church. You're the church. You're making fun of your own church. You're judging your own church. You're angry at your own church. And here you are complaining, and you're, not, you're, you're the problem if you're not the solution. Help me. Help the Lord build this house. Your life will never change without an experience of Jesus. According to Alpha in the study, they said that there are three major encounters that people have with the Lord before they are stuck and locked into that journey with the Lord. Some of you are still waiting for your third experience. Some of you are still waiting your second experience. We should be praying for each other to encounter Jesus here in this place for our children to encounter Jesus, for our youth to encounter Jesus, to feel, you know, that moment when they are just crying. You can't understand why you're crying. Adam and Eve were together when the serpent tempted Eve. But interestingly enough, it was Adam who was given the law. You can eat from any tree in the garden except for the one in the middle. She wasn't made yet. And then she was made later. But Satan, instead of coming to Adam, probably because Satan knew that he was the one that God spoke to, goes to Eve instead. He went for the ones that are weaker. And he began to question her and sow doubt into her mind. But Adam never said a word. He was the one that encountered God. He was the one that had the experience. He was the one that had the revelation, you can eat from everything except for one thing. And while his, and he allowed his wife to be fixated on the one thing until she eventually talked him into it because he didn't say no in the first place. Husbands, rise up and become a man of God. Be a priest of your home and lead the way for your family. Don't let your wife do that. She's trying hard, but you are called to lead a royal priesthood, the head of the house. As Christ uh, sacrificed himself for the church, he's saying, husbands, do that for your wives. Some of you are struggling on your journey because you've been trying to follow someone else's pattern. The thing that God showed them, you think you can apply to your life, but you don't understand God has a personalized, customized revelation for you. It's not a good fit. God gave them a personal experience with him, and they discovered God's pattern for their life. But their revelation is not your revelation. It's time as a church we began to become hungry It's not just, when you become a Christian, it's not just a mental decision up here. It's deep, deep in your spirit, in your gut. You know when you say, my gut tells me something's wrong? That's your spirit. Your gut will also tell you when something is right. You've been testing this word today. You know it's right. And you need to do something about it. Why don't we draw this to a close? I invite you to stand to your feet. I am mindful of time. God bless you. Thank you for the extra time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Pray with me for a moment. We need to deal with these things in our lives right now. Father, the house of prayer is a house of contention for the higher things. We are contending for the ascending of the saints. And Father, I pray right now. For fresh revelation to be released upon the church. That they will not be content with the old manner that they've been given before. That they will not be content with the past, with a history behind them where things were amazing and great. But they stopped living for new things for today. Because, Lord, your your Bible tells us the new wine was better than the old wine. Not to say that the old wine was bad, but the new wine is better. There's a new anointing. There's a new destiny that God has for you. God isn't through with you yet. God has only begun. And, Father, as we stand in your presence, in your holy presence, we soberly make this prayer, Father, restore the house of prayer. Restore us to become a house of prayer for our family, to become a house of prayer for our workplaces, for our businesses, to become a house of prayer for our city, for our nation, for our church. Raise up the church once again. Restore our hearts, Father, until our hearts are inclined to feel as you feel, to see what you see, to hear what you hear. In the name of Jesus.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, You can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to LifeCityChurch.com and clicking the Giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.